0: When you start your business, you're going to start in the trenches. eh?
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Expedition Business, where we bring you inspirational stories of everyday entrepreneurs and the highs and lows of their business adventures in order to help our existing entrepreneurs, but most definitely our entrepreneurs in training to get going and to keep on going. My name is Christelle roslyn painter and my accomplice for today is Johan Finter, who I do believe is acutely aware of all the hopes, dreams and aspirations of our future entrepreneurs. Our guest for today, Eric Parkes, is synonymous with franchising in South Africa. Eric used to be the marketing director of KFC South Africa when he was persuaded to become the co-founder of one of South Africa's most iconic franchising brands Nando's. Eric is also the co-founder of Seattle Coffee and his client list of his franchising consulting company Franchising Plus reads like the who's who of franchising in South Africa. I am sure that you would agree that missing out on an opportunity to find out more about the highs and lows of Eric's business adventures is one that we just cannot miss out on.
0: Let's just start off with, probably this show is all about entrepreneurship, And the one question I get asked over and over again is, is an entrepreneur born or can you develop an entrepreneur? Now, I'm absolutely convinced you can develop an entrepreneur. And in my case, I'm sort of a semi-entrepreneur. It was almost forced on me. It wasn't natural. And very often children have an entrepreneurial flair and society knocks it out of them. When it came to working, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and we sat in the playground one day, and some friends of mine were talking about metallurgy, and I thought, gee, that's quite nice. And in those days, it was reasonably easy to get a job. I'd done reasonably well at J.P. I was a prefect in colours, and so when you went to an interview, you probably got it. And I went to a company called Haggy Rand, and they employed me as a learning metallurgist, and they helped me qualify, but quite honestly, I hated every minute of it. And I spent seven years there. I got promoted to metallurgist at Funnevale Park. Sure, and I should have left because to be honest, down the line I wasted about seven years there. So the lesson coming out of that is if you've picked the wrong career and you're not totally happy and you realize that's ought to be your ultimate, don't sit around for seven years. I think we wasted those. I sat in the laboratory with a guy called Laurie Kay. And you might know Laurie, he flew the Boeing over the World Cup and he and I were hating, he wanted to be a pilot and I wanted to be in marketing and he couldn't get into SAA believe it or not, he went to England and trained with the RAF and we both left and I think we both did okay. <laughs> but we were both in the wrong situation and because the company was so nice we stayed too long okay? and uh, then I tried to get into sales so I went to Hagi and I said I want to become a rep. And they said, are you mad? You just qualified as a metallurgist. Why do you want to go back and be a rep? Uh And I repped for two steel companies. And while I was doing that, I wrote the three year IMM Diploma. I went to night school, which is not easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You go home Mm -hmm. and your dinner's in the oven (laughs) and hot. And so, and then I suppose the big job that I really, really enjoyed, I then applied and I got a position as a product manager at Carlton Paper. And in doing that IMM and marketing was for me. And then I changed completely. I won awards and I loved it. And there you'd fit it in. (laughs) So where I was totally wrong in metallurgy, marketing and sales was my little niche. But I'd wasted seven years getting there. (laughs) So to the people, you know, find out what you really love and what you want to do and get there quickly. Don't waste the time.
1: But I suppose it's also, Being um, a bit soft on yourself, that if you do make a mistake, don't take it too seriously. Just make the change and go on. You see,
0: (laughs) life's easy in retrospect, so now I can look back and say, gee, I was stupid there. But I think also because I came from a reasonably poor family, and by that time I had young children and I got married, and I was always at this fear of being retrenched. (laughs) I mean, it must be terrible to go home and say, you know what, I, I just lost my job. And, you know, I've heard of people that get retrenched and they get up in the morning and go and sit in the cinema because they don't want to tell their family that they've been retrenched. So, you, you're right. You don't want to make, take a risk because you're sitting there saying, what happens if I go somewhere else and, uh, you know, I can't feed the family. Yeah. So, probably. Mm.
1: So, today you Obviously, founded Nando's. We're part of the founding team of Nando's of Seattle. That we're drinking a coffee after yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. He mentioned at some point that the worst franchisee is a rich dad bringing <laughs> his son.
0: Yo, I'm going to be controversial now, but <laughs>
1: you know, sometimes
0: a rich son has got a fancy BMW, and to be honest, they've been spoiled and. Mm they get a franchise and particularly the mother thinks, she's, you know, they get to work late and they don't work. And I'll give you the best example, we were looking for franchisees and the one mother brought uh, her son and he was a kid from a private school, he'd done very, very well. So I said to him and her, well, they didn't come and work for a shift. So she said, how long is the shift? So I said, no, eight hours. Ooh, Connie just worked for two <laughs> so that's the sort of you know when, when the mother starts saying, connie just do two hours <laughs> and you know uh, this is a problem, you know so and also you want someone to be at risk, <clears throat> so the reason franchising works is when you put your life savings in and you at risk, you've got skin in the game. If it was a very rich father, to be honest, he's probably put the money up, and that Young kid, be it a daughter or a son, is not terribly at risk because they haven't worked hard, like I'm telling you, to mm-hmm. save that money. If you work hard for three, four years and have that money, then you've got skin in the game and you're going to work very, very hard for it. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I think, sorry, you mentioned when you worked at KFC you had this massive budget. And then when he went to Nando's, you had to put in your own money yeah. and so much different.
0: Well, you see, we were shareholders, so we lent the fund money and we treated it completely differently because I'm not saying I was irresponsible at KFC, but you've got this big budget and you know you tend to sign things off when you're on the line. And the agencies do, if you're not careful, they bill you for different things than that, and that. When it's your money on the line, you, you check every penny. like, <laughs> what's this? Why is that? Well, you know, so I think that's the benefit of an owner-operator. You've got your own money there, so you treat. And it's not only advertising, it's everything. You watch, uh, you know, and even controlling staff, you know, theft, you're making sure you get your GPs. You know, sometimes when companies deliver, like in a fast food outlet, one of the biggest things is to have a scale because often you're buying a 10 kilogram bag or whatever and when you put it on the scale it's 8 kilos. So when it's your own business, you actually monitor everything. You count stock, you on top of everything. When you work for somebody, yeah, you sort of, but it's not the same thing as when you put your life savings in and, and you're going to monitor it like mad. Eric, okay. what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? <laughs> I'm alive.
1: <laughs>
0: and, uh, I got through some ups and downs and I've got great kids, I've got a great family. Uh, I don't have to work. Uh, I'm not starving. I can have some gravy with my pop. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> and we have fun. Um, I've got a bit of a shared portfolio. So, uh, you know, but again, um, I don't think it was easy. So I've come and gone through a lot of things. But, yeah, so, you know, uh, in pretty nice position now.
2: And what would you say on the more negative side, your biggest low?
0: I took too long and I didn't become and get into entrepreneurship soon enough because I, I played around with corporates. First of all, I made the wrong choice. I went into metallurgy and I suppose I didn't waste seven years, but it was the wrong choice. So I sort of existed there because the company I was in was so fantastic. Then I sort of went through corporates, and all that could have been cut so much shorter if I just had good guidance uh, earlier on. You know, it took me a, quite a long time before, and even there, the reason I was an entrepreneur, Robbie approached me. It wasn't me seeing and saying, wow, you know. Now, hopefully, if I relived my life from leaving school, I would have been like what I said to you. I would have been saying, okay, ultimately, I want to own something. I want to be an entrepreneur. Let me start working towards that. So, yeah, i became an entrepreneur by accident rather than by good choice. Because of my upbringing, because of the schooling, because of... It
1: wasn't after you became an entrepreneur a happily ever after situation.
0: Well, it's not all that. You know, it it comes with risk. So, I mean, the fact this, we put all that money in and... In the beginning, you go through that hockey curve. So, I don't think... You know, a lot of people see Seattle now and they go to Barry and Pete and say, Oh, gee, this is easy. Okay. They don't realise what we all went through, particularly them. I mean, I know for a fact that Barry used to turn his phone off at the end of the month because, yes, guys, we're chasing money. <laughs> so, what I, you know, even if you're going to your own business, don't think it's all a walk in the park. Eh? It comes with risk and and hard work, and you know, it's not all roses. Now, it is great because you've got a lot of stores and you've got a roast you and and but. That's the reward from the big risk that you actually took.
2: But I think uh, it, everything has a risk. Like if you're an employee, you yeah. still have that big risk. Yeah. You still have to work late and hard versus being the owner that it's your choice.
0: But if you're an employee, what's the worst thing can happen you leave? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> when you've put all that money up and you go under, okay. you've signed leases for five years, you've got a uh, bank where you've signed guarantees so if you left a company yeah you get paid one or two months retrenchment there's nothing you haven't lost a hell of a lot you lost a job if you've put all that money in and started a business and it goes under or doesn't make it you're you're gonna suffer for many many years to get out of that big hole of debt and leases and, and so you know as an entrepreneur you have much much more to lose and as an employer, you're sure you've got a job to lose in that. But that's the trouble with corporate, um, you know, you work hard and all that, but you're actually working for somebody else. And at the end of the year, you get a, I don't know, 8% increase instead of a 6 <laughs> okay. And I always said if I worked for a corporate again, I'd have two identical cars and I'd leave the one there permanently. <laughs> so when the MD arrived, you saw the car and thought, yes, I was here early. <laughs> <laughs> when you went home, the car was still there thinking, uh, you know, it's working hard. Because that's the sort of politics of uh, working in a corporate and I don't know if that suits me. Okay. So, you know, as I said, if you work for corporate and you lose your job, it's not great. But you're not going to suffer for three, four, five years after.
2: So if you had to start all over again, when you are young or even today, mm-hmm. would you start your own business? for your love of franchising? Would you just buy into a franchise?
0: Well, I think buying into a franchise is a fantastic stepping stone, okay? So let's assume that I was like you. I'd go and work in the industry I'd chosen for about three or four years. Then I'd try and buy a franchise in that industry. Because even if I sold the franchise, I'd have a lot of capital and experience to then start my own business. And it's so much easier if you've been there, had your franchise, and, There's a trend today with multi-unit franchises. So, I mean, the KFC guys, some of them own 30, 40 stores. So if you go into a good brand like that and you do well, you can have the second and the third and the fourth. So if you have four franchises or five, you become a big player because now you've got almost a business within a business. So, you know, it's not a bad thing to start as a franchisee. And that gives you a little bit, because when you're very young, you also need a bit of grey hair. Right? Okay, because, you know, as you go, you learn and, and become more and more like that. Okay.
1: How would you see the future of South Africa?
0: Look, unfortunately we had a tipping point at the moment. And, you know, there's some severe problems which we have to sort out. The biggest problem is unemployment. Okay. And it's actually scary. You know, in my day, like I said to you, um, I'd done reasonably well at school, I'd got colours and prefect and, and we we never ever thought of not being able to be employed. I mean it was the last thing we would talk about because the banks were there trying to get you to come there and if you were really betting, you could go to the government. But you know, <laughs> there was like jobs available and if you'd had a reason, you know, now the poor people, the younger people in particular are going to university and getting degrees and. Are not being employed now we've got to create employment and we've got to create wealth because what has happened at the moment the costs have shot up uh petrol's gone up uh, cost of living is going up and people are just battling they don't have expendable income now that's a catch 22 because you don't have expendable income you're not spending therefore businesses are going under load shedding doesn't help them <laughs> so We've got to try and stimulate this economy somehow and get jobs going. And that's why we need entrepreneurs. We need young people to step forward. And when they can't get a job, start thinking, well, maybe I've got to create my own job. <laughs> uh, because it's going to take quite a while to get the economy. And the other worrying thing, it's not just South Africa. I mean, the whole world is betting. Uh, England's got inflation of 9%, America 7%. Now, They've never had that in their lives before, so they're battling with cost gas going up, the whole Ukrainian war. So it's almost, um, I suppose, if you said to me, would I like to be uh, president of South Africa, I'd say, no way. <laughs> 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 because it would be a hospital pass in a way. Uh, and then, obviously, crime and fraud and that is worrying. Uh, so, yeah, it's, but it, you know, hopefully... There's always cycles and hopefully we can turn it around. And, uh, you know, uh, COVID didn't help. It hurt a lot of restaurants and, and that type in the industry. So, yeah.
1: On average, how many franchises have you lost due to COVID? Well,
0: it, the strong brands survive. So, in other words, let's take any brand. What happens? The weaker ones fell because of COVID. So, the good ones carried on and they just made less money, but in a way, sometimes when you have a depression, you actually uh, get rid of all the, the marginal businesses, but COVID got rid of businesses that weren't necessarily marginal. They just were not making enough money to cope with the decrease in sales and heavy expenses. And one of the other problems in business at the moment is electricity fees have gone up significantly, so all the costs are going up. And in some instances, the electricity charge is more than the rent. Mm. Mm. So, you know, your costs are going up, you can't just put your prices up. And your sales are decreasing because the average man in the street has less expendable income. So not a happy situation, but like anything, um, the strong do well. Mm. I mean, you guys bought Seattle this morning, so <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we still have a lot of people uh, queuing outside in the morning, which is good news. So the strong brands are doing well.
1: But I think through all the turmoil of the economy, one of the big things that I've learned today is that if I'm in a franchise, I'm not alone. There's always somebody yeah, you know, to help me through
0: it. That's it. We say you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. So. In a franchise, the franchisor has a whole support structure. They've got training, they train you, they've got field service consultants that call on you. They've got a marketing department, they've got a new product development department. But you've got to pick the right franchise and you be very careful. Because there are people out there that are franchising too early, the brand's not proven, and they haven't put the support structure in place. And we say that you award a franchise You don't sell it. Now, we've got a psychometric test that we've got called the E-Test. You can actually do the test and it will tell you whether you will enjoy being a franchisee or not. If you are too entrepreneurial, they'll say, hold on, you're not going to enjoy being told what to do. because sometimes they will tell you we're going to do this and you might think, well, Jesus, if it was my business, I wouldn't do that, but you've got to go with the majority, because maybe 80% of the franchisees want to do that. Mm. But you'll probably find that because it was quite well thought through, if you've got a good or in three, four, five months you'll say, you know what, they were right. I'm glad I did it. Yeah.
1: And that's why they should go to you.
0: Well, they're very welcome to come to us, although <laughs> we help, we work mainly with franchisors, uh, helping them franchise their business, but there's an interesting website called Which Franchise, which we own. and. On that website, we've got some opportunities.
1: And you would advise your grandchild to buy one of those franchises?
0: Yeah, you know, um, definitely. I mean, but again, you uh, go in first and maybe work, get a little bit of experience, and then, but it's got to be something you love. Okay. So yeah. good, you know, it's so good me telling you to be in know, IT business <laughs> if you're not IT literate and you don't enjoy sitting on a computer all day, you know. Yeah. So it's got to be in an area that you think, wow, that's, I love getting up in the morning, I love going to work, you know, and that's so important because if you get, like I was with Metallurgy, when you're in the wrong business, you know you're not enjoying it, you know you're not going to retire there. uh, So therefore, you know, you're not going to enjoy getting up every morning and working there. When you buy a franchise, it becomes your life. eh? You're there weekends, you're there, you know, it's not like, well, you know, I'll just go away and put a manager in charge because that doesn't work. You've got to be an owner-operator. Okay.
2: Oh, but it's like they say, everything in life is hard. You just need to choose which hard you want to do. That's it.
0: And, and if you work hard there, you get rewards later on. Okay, that's, you see, the biggest benefit of being an entrepreneur is, like I said to you, you put yourself in that position where you control your own destiny and you've got enough money not to worry about, you know, Having to feed your family, etc., etc., and the big benefit of a franchise too, or a business, down the line you can actually sell the business. Now, if you leave a company, I don't know, they, they buy a cake and some wine and say <laughs> goodbye to you. <laughs> if you sell your business and you're a franchisee, you're going to get a very nice payment, uh, so you leave with a capital injection as well.
2: And with all your free, t- well, I hope you have a bit more free time now. Al, do you read any books and could you recommend anyone?
0: Well, okay, let's talk about books. Um, often people have said to me, is there a business book that you think is fantastic? And I must be honest, I haven't really seen a business book. And I, I think, you know, I write all lot of books. <laughs> it was me trying to put business into simple terms. Uh, and people, the, the textbooks that I see around, to me are totally over There's a figure that says, 87% of people that buy a, th- a th- theory book don't read the whole book. And I interviewed, and when I was doing, I did Summit TV and I did Biz Network and I did 702. I interviewed a top entrepreneur that plays himself down completely. And the people were asking him financial questions. And he said, no, I don't know what you're talking about, ratios and all that. So eventually I said to him, how do you understand accounts? You say, no, accounts is very simple. Money comes in, money goes out. And what's left for me. <laughs> my accountants tell me where it came from and where it went and what I must do with what's left over. <laughs> okay. And you know, we complicate things so much. So I probably wanted a more simple book, but there were probably three books in my life. And it's not always to do with business. When I was young, there was a book called The Prophet. I you've ever read The Prophet mm-hmm. by that Gabriel, yes. that was probably incredible. The other book that was important, and it's a bit soppy, was Love Story. At my time, that film, love story, taught me about relationships, but probably the most important book that I live by is called Animal Farm, it Irish. was written by George Orwell, and it was written about the Russian Revolution, and I would suggest everyone reads Animal Farm, and you could almost relate South Africa or a number of scenarios to Animal Farm. It's a simple book, easy to read, and I just loved that book by George Orwell. So those are the books I would read. I think in business there was one book that we spent quite a time on. It was called The One Minute Manager. It was yes. quite good. But, you know, as I said, I wrote books and, and try to simplify it. You know? And yeah.
2: If there was any person in business that you've looked up to or that's maybe inspired you?
0: Look, I think although it was very different, probably Robbie Brozen. Man. I mean, it was such a good relationship, and that I was a lot older than him. When we started Nanos, he was 29, and he, whole enthusiasm that was infectious. <laughs> um, you know, he would manage to walk into a room and, uh, you know, people would follow him almost, uh, you know. Uh, so. You know, although we were partners, certainly he taught me a lot. And I think my son worked there as well at Nando's. And I think the success of Seattle has a lot to do with Nando's. We, we've done a lot of things similar to what we did at Nando's, And basically there we've looked after quality, but really, and we've looked mm-hmm. after staff in Seattle. And, and that's been our success. We don't go and put big ads on. We get referrals. We get, uh, we you know, we look at it from that point of view. So I guess those are people I've worked with. But yeah, you know, there's business guys that, um, the problem is sometimes you look up to a guy then he lets you down, you know. he <laughs> 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 crashes around you and you think, yes, well, I didn't think you would actually do that, you know. But yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of um, business guys that have uh, done well. Uh, I mean, w- we study and one of the things you look at is what they call the Stellenbosch Mafia, which <laughs> those guys have all made a lot of money and done things quite differently. But yeah, you know, you can look at a group of people, uh, you know, the only reason I say Robbie is I worked with him and he and I sat opposite each other for years and so, you know, he, he, he was somebody that you don't get too many like it. <laughs> you know, he, he, what he's achieved is fantastic.
2: Do you have any quotes that you live by or that helps <laughs> you? <laughs>
0: Not really, you know, um, I, I suppose there are, you know, a whole lot of, I mean, there are a whole lot of quotes in there, but there's not, you know, one... You know, I think the biggest thing is you've got to be self-motivated. Eh? So you've got to get up and, you know, um, I don't, you know, sit and... I might tell someone who uh, will sit up and say, that's a quote, because um, I don't want to knock... I wrote a book with Mike Lipkin and all these motivational speakers, and it, and it was lovely. We went down the country and that, but they sort of will sort of hype you up and say, Jeez, you get up in the morning. Aren't you lucky? The sun's shining. <laughs> you get to work, and you know, yes, well, <laughs> the sun's come up, but life's tough. <laughs> so, you know, I Yeah, I'm at a big sort of quote like that. It's, you've got a life. Uh, you've got choices, and it's what you do with your life. You know.
1: But I think what you said just now is so important that to realise that yes, you can have a. Um, big motivational quotes in your mind and wake up mm. with them every morning, but life's not that easy. No, you and, know, and people sometimes feel uh, it's only them that's not having it so great.
0: But you know what you what you put in, you get out. Okay, so you know it's like um, networking is very important. I always say to young people, and this quote that I think is lovely, people used to say, you know it's how many people you know is so important. Now I say, but that's not true. It's how many people know you that's (laughs) important. (laughs) That's the important thing. So it's no good you knowing all those people if they don't know you. And I think, you know, I've always been quite good at networking and keeping in touch with people. And, you know, so I've got good colleagues in business. And the other thing, you can mess up. (laughs) And, you know, we've always been 100% ethical and, I can work, you know. wake up in the morning, look myself in the mirror and know I haven't hurt anyone, I've done nothing wrong and you know, these guys that have fraudulent and all that, I wouldn't sleep at night, <laughs> I thought, you know, so, you know, keep clean, network well and, and make sure that you don't go and do stupid things. And, you know.